Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. I am your host, Steph, here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey, I'm here as well. And right now we're in our series, An Honest Conversation About Mental Health. Last week we talked about suicidal thoughts. Pastor Adam, can you recap for us? Yeah, so we, um, obviously it's a tough topic. Um, And so we talked about uh, suicide being sort of a, um, it's a silent epidemic in our culture. Uh, It affects everybody. And so it's not just something that, you know, in your bias you think that it's just teenagers. It's not. Or it's just, you know, uh, depressed people. It's not. You know, I mean, it spans the spans the age gap from like 10. I think we talked about some stats. We'd go back, you can go back and listen to last week's episode. But we, we talked about some stats from like age 10 all the way through, I think, 64 or something like that. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So it affects everybody. And so we talked about the difference between suicidal ideation and suicidal planning. And, of course, suicidal ideation – is something that everybody actually most I mean vast majority of people at some point think about what it would be like if I wasn't here or maybe it'd just be better if I but it doesn't lead to planning and so when we end up with a disorder a real issue happening is when it leads to actually planning those things out so um, we talked through some practicalities of that but we also tried to because uh, we think Jesus is the hope of the world um, and but not in the absence of counseling or medication or anything like that but we talked about the fact that you know, Jesus understands your pain, that God wants to fight for you, that God wants to lead you out of that darkness and uh, give you hope. We talked about the fact that you aren't a coward because you have felt this way or, or even attempted these things. Um, and we talked about the fact that that's, a, that's sort of a misnomer, um, a prejudice against people who have done these things or felt this way, um, that, they're, that it's the coward's way out. It's really not in their minds and in their hearts. And so we talked about those things as well. And so it was pretty... I don't know. It's a pretty tough conversation, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, hard to talk about. Um, I have I just spent some time talking about this with some teenagers. I talked with some teenagers last night about these things um, in general, you know, generalized thoughts. And so it's just tough. But it's also something that we need to talk about in the church world, just like this entire series, um, which we're almost done with. we got one more episode after this. This entire series on mental health is something the church needs to be talking about. Um, and it shouldn't be this issue that's untouchable or too uncomfortable for us to discuss, right? Right. Um, if people are hurting, um, God cares. He wants to be involved in it, and he has his church um, as, his, as his army marching in the world to help people who are hurting, right? And the best way we can do that usually is to actually talk about it and bring it up and also not pretend like we don't have problems like this. So, you know, Steph and I talked about some issues we've had with mental health through the entire series as well. So that was sort of what we did in 135. Um, We sort of talked about um, some of those big things with regard to suicidal thoughts. And so today is 136. Is that right? Yes, it's 136. 36. And so we're going to do some sort of um, how you can fight suicidal thoughts um, with some some of these steps. And so we're going to try to give some steps for these things. Um, and so I just want you to remember as we start off that God lo- God loves you and he's for you no matter what. And he wants to take this burden from you that you feel because a lot of these things are really a, a burden that you've been carrying for too long that's now turned into this burden that's unbearable. 
That's where this stuff really comes from. And so he wants that. But getting to a healthier place requires you to actually take steps. You've got to actually do something. If you keep doing the same thing that you're doing in whatever area of life, you're going to keep getting the same results that you're getting. Um, And that can be applied to anything, right? So we have to actually do something. We have to take a step, do something different. And so um, I want you to know this before we get into it, that these aren't instant cures or anything like that. But what they're supposed to do is start a journey of healing, right? This is not this is not how to solve it. This is starting a conversation that should continue. When we end this series, we're not ending the conversation, so it's over with, it's fixed. Listen to some podcast episodes and be good. That's not the case. This is this is us starting a conversation and starting a journey that's going to lead us to healing. And so um, if you are somebody who is struggling with this or has struggled with it in the past, because everybody's in two groups, right? We've said this a whole series. Everybody's mm-hmm. in two groups of mental health. Those that struggle with it and those that know someone who does. And usually when you know someone who does, it's somebody close to you. Um, and so Steph and I have fallen in that same boat. We passed that test this entire time. It's either been us or we've known somebody. Actually, it's basically been both the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you are someone who's actually struggling with it, then um, what I've got is I've got basically four steps I want to share with you. Um, and this is sort of what the road to help, the road to healing sort of looks like. Um, does that make sense? Yes. All right, all right. So step one, uh, don't ignore your feelings. Don't ignore them. Our feelings are like a check engine light in our car. And Steph and I know all about check engine lights lately mm-hmm. because our cars be broke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> lately, our cars are broke. She has a broke car. I have, uh, in the last month, no, in the last two months, I've had three Broke cars, all the cars is broke. The only one that's still kicking right now, appropriately, is Olivia's raggedy little car. We got her for her 16th birthday, right? Which which was only like, you know, a few months ago. So Mm -hmm. um, that's the only one. So, you know, like your feelings are like a check engine light. Um, They warn us when something needs to be fixed. You know, it it lets you know. And if you ignore the check engine light, guess what's going to happen in your car? Things are going to get worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse, right, until it's incapacitated. And when we ignore our feelings and we try to carry around these hurts and these burdens and we just don't, we don't, we don't bring them up, we just sort of ignore them and push them back, it can lead us to a path of hopelessness, just yeah. like the same thing with the car. It's you know like I mean? you, you, can keep, you can keep driving your life. But you can't. Yep, you can. And it's just going to continue to get worse. So you can't ignore those feelings. So you've got to deal with every feeling and you got to process them. Because we don't want feelings to rule our life. Exactly. Right? Because we would never, it would be a roller coaster, crazy ride all the time, right? I mean, I don't know about your feelings, but my feelings change like the wind blows. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, constant. Like waves. Right, constant. I can have an awesome day. We've talked about this in a podcast before, but I can have an awesome Sunday and go home and wake up the very next day and think that the world's crashing. You know. I get that, yeah. That happened to me today. Mm-hmm. Um today's a Monday. I don't know when it I don't know when yeah. it is coming out in this podcast world, but you know, like I walk into Mondays, we've said this before too, and it, it to me I, I classify most Mondays as like a holy hangover where I just feel down. Yeah. Um but then I can but I can be having a great day and something stupid happen that doesn't really matter at all. And now I'm like 
bummed the whole rest of the day. I mean, feelings are just everywhere. So we don't want to be ruled by our feelings, but what we do want to do is we want to deal with every single feeling and we want to process it so it doesn't build up. We ignore it. We repress it. We push it back until we start walking in some sort of hopelessness. And so if you don't know how to process your emotions, then you need to open up to a trusted friend, um, a, a counselor, any of those that'll lead us into the next step. But you know, somebody that you can trust, preferably somebody godly, by the way. Yes. Somebody further That's along important. than you and godly that you can trust um, to help you sort of process those emotions and feelings, right? So first step, don't ignore your emotions and feelings. That's the first one. Okay, what's step number right, two? Number two, uh, communicate your hurt. So don't just know, okay, I'm feeling this, but actually communicate that you are hurting. Let people know, not Obviously, you just don't walk around letting everybody know all the time, right? In appropriate settings, let them know when you feel hopeless, when you feel alone, when you feel abandoned, all those things that would lead to you being, you know, further and further down this track of hopelessness, which is getting us to suicidal ideation or suicidal planning, right? Let, let people know when you feel hopeless, alone, or abandoned. If people haven't reached out to you, it is almost guaranteed it's it's not because they're jerks, right? It's because they don't know. It's That's not right. because they don't care. And it's easy to think that. Absolutely. And I think the enemy loves to play that with us. He loves to go, they don't care, they don't care. Almost always it's because they don't know. Yeah. In in the, this is this is sort of off topic, but kinda of on topic. In like in the church world, um, in, in our context, uh, people will have a loss in their family or whatever, but they don't tell anybody. And then they get mad that you didn't do anything to help them. And then they assume that you don't care. Like, you're this absent pastor. And instead, it's like, you didn't say anything, right? You didn't tell anybody. And I think also in the world that we live in now, we assume if we post it on social media that people are supposed to glean that and then know what's going on with us. Or that and, they've read it. Yeah, we assume that they saw it. Well, I put it out there. Of course they saw it. Um, and so I think that like if somebody hasn't reached out to you, it isn't because for the most part that they don't care. It's because they're not really aware of your pain. And so I think that you've got to make sure you communicate your hurt. Like when Jesus felt like his soul was being crushed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he turned to his friends to help support him and help keep watch with him. That was his idea, right? That was his thought, his, his words, keep watch with him. And so you've got to actually communicate your hurt. So, so don't just, number one, don't just ignore your feelings, right? Like, make sure you don't do that. But then also, make sure you're actually communicating your hurt and your pain. Verbalize that to somebody and don't just assume that they couldn't give a rip. Or don't just assume that they know because you threw it up on some random Instagram thing, you know, or whatever. Um, that's not the case. Yeah, and another thing you have to remember, people take social media breaks now, so they might not see you. But, I mean, and also, anything, and also, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you realize this or not, but no, I, we don't control any of that crap anyway. We really don't. It's not like it's it's designed that way. Yeah. Where you know, I mean, we, me and Valerie had a period of time like we're married, and we're on each other's stuff and tag each other all the time. We had a period of time where she came to me one day, once this was Facebook related, and she was like, "Have you not posted anything in a while?" And I was like. Well, I mean, I shared the message yesterday, and I had a thing, of, you know, and I, she was like, none of your stuff's in my feed, and we're married. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we don't control any of that stuff. And also, 
fight the temptation, and this is not one of the numbers, but in this whole communicate your hurt, fight the temptation to think that you're at the center of the universe and everybody's sitting around looking at your stuff, right? If they're not looking at it, it means they don't care about you. That's not true, right? That's not true at all. So make sure you communicate your hurt. That's number two. Okay, what's step number three? Number three, seek professional help, right? So don't ignore the feelings. Make sure you communicate it and then get some pros in your corner. Um, You need some folks that are trained counselors who can help you explore this hopelessness that you're feeling, right? Once again, we've used this illustration the entire series. If you broke your arm, wouldn't you try to get some help and not go through that pain by yourself, right? I mean, I don't know anybody who's going to break their arm and go, well, you know what, I I guess I'm going to go out here and get me some sticks and duct tape it together and not tell anybody and hide it, right? And I'm gonna put a big coat on so nobody sees it and I'm gonna deal with this pain on my own, right? And so you gotta, you gotta view mental health the same way. Um, you would see a doctor if you broke your arm. So when your soul feels broken, you know, when your heart feels broken, when you feel, you know, crushed, you shouldn't try to fix it yourself either. Um, like, such a big problem for us as humans of not asking for help and trying to fix stuff on our own. You know, it's like it's it's like our relationship with God. You know you can't fix this on your own. Like you know you need Jesus. Because if you could fix it on your own, you'd already fixed it. You know? So don't try to fix this stuff on your own. You got to you got to talk to someone. So I think everyone should see a mental health specialist of yeah. some sort at least once a year. For like a mental health checkup, just like you would do for your physical checkup, just like you do. I mean, we do this with our teeth. We yeah. should probably do it with our brain, right? It's true. You know, everybody's, you know, I think you should see someone all the time. I think, and, and I've been pastoring a long time now, and so I've seen people in all kinds of contexts. I'm going to include myself in this as well, and Stephanie, and her husband, Jonathan, who's sitting in the corner right now listening to us. Um, <laughs> I think every single human being needs a counselor. I agree. Everybody. Everybody. It's so helpful. Well, we all have baggage. We We all have issues. We all have, I don't care how great your parents are, we all have some baggage and some things that came from our parents. Like, I have wonderful folks, um, but I got baggage from them, you know, and I had, and it took me talking to a counselor to figure that out, you know, and my parents know that, so don't have to worry about it. They're not devastated when they hear this. They know. And Valerie and I know and acknowledge, too, that we're doing things that, are also damaging our children too. You know what I mean? And um, the tools that we have in our toolbox come from our parents. So yeah, <laughs> you get what you get. You know what I mean? Like some of us have a whole lot of broken screwdrivers and that's all we got from our parents in our toolbox. You know, yeah. and some of us have more than that. But I think every single human being needs a counselor. So this is not just if you're dealing with this. I don't think we should reserve see a mental health specialist only when you get to the point where you're going to kill yourself, right? Yeah. I think you need to seek professional help regardless. Um, so we should normalize that thing. You know yeah, because I mean? like, it's normalize like, it. if you want to talk about it with your friend, then why not? If you have the resources too, why not? Go ahead and try to talk to someone professional why about not? it. Why not? Why not? So that's number three, seek professional help. Okay, what's step number four? Number four, last one for those that struggle with it currently. Let God have a say in how you see like so let god have a say in how you how you're going to see things like romans 12 one of my favorite scriptures of the last few years tells us to be transformed by the renewal of our mind yeah right like we're going to be transformed because our mind is going to be renewed and so when hopelessness appears 
turn to prayer, turn to the Word of God. Um, you don't have to fight this battle alone. Shame doesn't have to get the final word in who you are, right? A, a disorder, an issue, a broken arm, a broken leg, a broken brain, whatever it is, doesn't have to get the, the, the last say, the final word about who you are. God does. And God isn't waiting. You know, he, He's not sitting around waiting on you to reach out. He's already reaching out to you. And so he doesn't want to just – He's not. his plan isn't just to meet you halfway. All right, he'll meet you where you are in the moment. And our, your mind can be renewed and transformed if you will allow yourself to let God have a say in how you see, how you see things, how you see yourself, how you see the future. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like before you decide that the future is unbearable and nobody would want you in it. Because um, I've been there before. I haven't been to the planning phase, but I've been to the ideation phase. Let God have a say in how you see that future, in how you see yourself, in how you see the situation. Let him have a say in it. Um, let him get a vote, right? Um, you, want, you want to know his word because when you start to get into his word, you start to pray and you start to understand and know how he sees you, it begins to transform your mind and can change your outlook, so those are the four things that I'd say to somebody who is struggling right now with, um, or or has recently, with suicidal anything, right? And you, of course, could apply all these to the various different mental health issues we talked about, right? You could apply them anxiety and depression, uh, any of those things. Yes. But that's the four. And so that, let's, that takes us to the next category, um, which covers every other person listening to this podcast. If you have a friend who is struggling with suicidal thoughts or um, planning um, or hopelessness, there's some ways that you can be a good friend and ways that you can help. And so I've got five of these. I think, nope, six. I, I marked it wrong. Well, that's like, great. Six. All right. Number, yeah. number one, uh, assess. Assess the situation. Assess the person. Like look for signs of suicidal, suicidal thoughts and patterns such as people eating less, people not sleeping well, them experiencing emotional numbness. When people are telling you that they're numb and they're saying that sort of thing repeatedly, you should assess that. You should pay attention to it. Um, a lack of motivations and things that would normally excite them. If all of a sudden a person is not excited about stuff that you know them well and you're like, they would be excited about this, and they're just like, eh, whatever, that's a big sign that there's something going on. Assess that. Uh, isolation. Um, avoiding relationships, extreme procrastination, um, energy levels going up and down, being erratic, someone not wanting to, um, you know, we said lack of sleep, but somebody sleeping too much, somebody not motivated to do normal stuff, um, a lack of normal hygiene when you've experienced, like, you've experienced them having normal hygiene, right? Because everybody has different levels of hygiene. I don't mean it that way, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? I know exactly what you're saying. Like, Someone having a hard time just brushing their teeth every single day. Yep. yep. These normal things that you would take care of. And, you know, not when you're talking about they're not pampered up, right? But there's just a lack of normal hygiene related things. Um, The avoidance of the topic. Like when you try to discuss what's going on and even like um, an avoidance of this. So if there is a, if you're watching TV with them or you're watching something on whatever, and every time this commercial comes on for the suicide hotline, they turn it. Right? Yeah. That's an indication. You know what I mean? So you're just assessing. That's your first step if you've got somebody around you who's struggling with suicidal thoughts, 
hopelessness, whatever, however you want to categorize it. The first thing you do is assess. That's number one. Okay, what's step number two? Always take offhand comments seriously. Always take little brush-off comments seriously. So when somebody says, I'm ready to end it all, or I feel like a burden, or the pain I'm dealing with is unbearable, um, maybe it would be better if I wasn't around anymore. Don't brush it off. Yeah, don't. Take it seriously. Because if you continue, statistics say if you continue that conversation right there and you lean into it, they are they are almost a hundred percent not likely to do anything if you if you do that um, because what it is 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 they don't even, they don't realize it but what they're doing is is they're actually crying out for help by saying those things it's a way to ask for help that is easier um, without them knowing it than to actually say hey I feel hopeless because when you're hopeless it's really hard to verbalize that you're hopeless you know what I mean yeah it is so don't brush off offhanded comments lean into those comments. Um, number three, whoops, I took steps apart from him. Ask direct questions. You know, ask them direct questions. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Like be direct. Yeah, be direct. Yeah, be I've heard direct that too. with it, right? Studies show that if you ask at-risk individuals if they're suicidal, it does not increase their suicidal thoughts. It matter of fact, it, what it does is it decreases them. So when you lean into their offhand comments and you reply with a direct question, you're not – don't believe the lie – well, I'd be putting that idea in their head. No, what it does is it actually decreases it. Um, and so it reduces those suicidal thoughts. And so pray with them, pray over them, affirm them, don't freak out, yeah. and be with them, right? But be direct in those questions. Make that make the offhanded things or the feelings that you're feeling about them, you know, your, your intuition, the Holy Spirit guiding you to this, mm-hmm. um, the prompting, hey, something's wrong here. Make that drive you towards a conversation with them about it and make it direct because the directness will help. Um, that's often number three. Okay, what's number four? <laughs> I apologize, I forgot the number no, we're on. Uh, me too, I didn't even know you. All right, I didn't even know that we were doing six. All yeah. right, um, number four, connect them to hope. Um, listen carefully and learn what the individual is thinking and feeling, right? So you listen, you figure out what it is that's going on, and then you've got to connect to them some sort of hope. Like um, research suggests that acknowledging and talking about suicide actually reduces it, like we were just saying. So Connect them to that hope. Pray for them. Pray over them. Refirm them, right? Remind them who they are and give hope in a situation. Um, you know, when somebody is, is coming across hopeless, one of the best things you can do is go, no, no, hold up. Like, there's real hope here, you know? And, and I know you feel alone, but you're not because I'm standing right here, you know? And, and then even more than that, God's right here with you. Um, and I'm praying for you every single day. There's some people that, that are in my life right now that I'm pastoring that I know are going through hopeless situations and there's ain't a lot you can do. You know, like I'm not the savior. You know what I mean? Like I'm not God. I can't fix it. I can't can't change change it. it, Right. But what I can do is let them know when I'm thinking of them, that I'm praying for them and then I'm actually praying for them. And then I'm letting them know that. So there's a young girl in our church. She's in a, she's a college age and she's struggling right now. And I will every now and then just hit her up and go, Hey, I just want you to know that I was praying for you by name today. Um, I just want you to know that, right? And take, and I'm not sitting around. Let's be real. I'm not sitting around praying for that specific person for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a quick little thing. God, God bless this person today and let them know that they're all right. You know, help them. And then I'm going to make sure I let them know that. So you're connecting them to hope. Um, 
And then the next, connect them to number five, connect them to help too. Yeah. Connect them to help. Um, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number. It's always available. It's a good resource. Um, that, by the way, if anybody wants to know, is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Um, help them expand their support system by connecting them to a trusted family member. Right, so if you know that they have a trusted family member that they've connected with, that they'd be okay, you you talk to them about that. Connect them with a pastor, or a friend, a medical doctor, a counselor, a therapist, whatever it may be. Right, connect them with someone um, that that is actual help. Right, so we don't just stop with oh, "I'm praying for you." Right, we put those things in action when these things are are serious, and we want to connect them with real help. And then the last one, number six, uh, stay connected with them. Yeah. So don't just drop it. Right. There's a temptation for us to get involved in the crisis moment, help that person find, you give them hope, help that person find help, and then back off because we don't want to intrude or we feel weird, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or we don't want to bring it back up, you know, because it was so sensitive. Um, But studies show that suicide deaths go down considerably when someone follows up with the person who's at risk. And so just by staying connected in the, in the in the aftermath, like you are you are taking the chances of them going through with something like this way, way down. Um, yeah. which is this is basic. Like check in with the people you love. Yes. You know what I mean? Like check in on them. If, if they you, yeah. If you love them, you care for them, right? You're there for you check in. Yeah. How you doing? How you feeling? You know, and actually mean it. Right? Follow through with that. You got all kinds of ways to do that now. You know, I mean, you ain't got to write them a letter and send it through the mail anymore, right? You can just text them. You can call them. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. And there's there's these, these unintrusive ways, too. Like a text message is very unintrusive. Yeah. You know, phone calls are different. Like, I hate a phone call. but Most people do. <laughs> I hate a phone call. Yeah. If I see, what's that meme? It's like, if you call me, I'm going to ignore it and text you back. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like, you know, there's all kinds of ways that are unintrusive to do this. But checking in on them reduces it. So, I mean, think about it. We just said three different things. That that reduce the risk of somebody actually going through with this, and so if we actually do these things, we can literally save their life. Yeah. And then the hopelessness, because the, then what we also are doing, biblically speaking, holistically speaking, we're also helping them carry the burden. Galatians six two, we're carrying each other's burdens when they cannot carry them, and and by by connecting them with help, connecting them with hope, asking them direct questions, right, following up with them we are actually carrying the burden that they feel is too much of a burden to carry. And then when somebody else is carrying it with you, right, that's what alleviates the hopelessness. Um, so those are just some, some easy steps. So let me just kind of wrap this thing up with this big thought because um, we're Christians. I don't know if you figured this out yet on this podcast, but this is a Christian podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if you're a Christ follower, everything you do is Lead is preceded with Christian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, so if you're if you're a gas station worker and you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian gas station worker. You know what I mean? Like it. You uh-huh. know. So this is that's what we do. That's this podcast, right? We ain't on here to make money. This is not about advertising. We ain't trying to get famous. Nobody wants to see our faces. That's why we're behind right. microphones. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but this is this is a Christian podcast. So like the church, and I mean the people of God. I don't mean a place. The, the church should be the safest place in the world for people to reach out to for help. It should be the safest place in the world. 
Nothing else in the world should be safer than the church. And for some reason, I don't know why, we have this tendency for it not to be. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. It should be the safest it place in the world. Too. It does. And it should not be that way. Not only should the church be a safe place, but it should also be a place where people are connected to hope, real hope, and real life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as Christ followers, we live with the mantra that we know what real forgiveness looks like, and we know what real life is, and who's the holder of that life, and we know what real hope looks like. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like the basis of our, the foundation of our faith. This is going to make some Bible people mad. I don't mean it this way. I hope it didn't come across wrong. The foundation of our faith is not the scriptures. The foundation of our faith is an empty tomb. That's the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is an event that happened, right? Um, and I'm not, I'm not denigrating the scriptures in any way because all they do is point to the glory of Jesus anyway, right? You know what I mean? Like, and that is the word of God. Like, I'm not saying this. No, I'm just saying the foundation of our faith is an actual event that happened, and it's an empty tomb, and it's all about hope, Mm -hmm. And it's all about life. And so we should be not just a safe place, but a place where we're connecting people to real hope and real life. Um, and that hope and that life can only be found in the presence of Jesus. That's right. And so we, we should the church should be safe, and we should be handing out hope and life like it's free suckers at the bank. You know what I mean? Like it's, like it's Halloween candy. Like we should be handing out hope and life, and the church should be a safe place for people who are struggling, right? Mm -hmm. um, Matthew 11, I think it is is where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? Yes. I'll give you rest for your soul. Um, bring those heavy burdens to me because he's full of hope and he's full of life. Right? Mm -hmm. And as the church, we should, we should resemble that. People who are struggling with any of these mental health issues we talked about, and especially with the value of their life, should feel like the church, the people of God, are a safe place and they emanate hope in life, right? So let's be that as people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. truly, you know, with that, that helps you to truly love your neighbor because that's one of the greatest commandments. Absolutely. You know, we'll, you bring up a good point. We'll wrap up with this. Um, Jesus says you love your neighbor as yourself. He also ends up telling us multiple times that we put ourselves, um, consider ourselves less than the mm -hmm. other people around us, right? How would we, what would we want somebody to do? If we were so hopeless, carrying a burden that had gotten so big that we thought it would be better off for us not to be here, we would want somebody to connect us with what real hope looked like in real life, right? And do basically whatever it took. And so we should do the same thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's all I got for this one. We got one more episode coming up. It's going to be a special one. Yes. Um, that'll be able to wrap up this series. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, we look forward to speaking with you next time. Um, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Please do. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.